And even though I know that the women's conference was titled Her Story, how many of you know that everybody has a story? I said everybody has a story. I love what Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, Paul writing, he says, I'm confident of this one thing, that he who began a good work will carry it out until the day of Christ Jesus. He didn't say that I'm confident of many things. He said, I'm confident of one thing. You only need to be confident of one thing. Come on now, you only need to be confident of one thing. And Paul is saying, I'm confident that my God is able. Come on now, what does Ephesians say? That our God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think according to the power that's at work within us. Paul is saying, I'm confident that I've got an able God. My confidence is not found in man. My confidence is not found in money. My confidence is not found in my social recognition. My confidence is found in one thing alone, and that is my God. And a lot of us, we're looking to people, we're looking to places, we're looking to popularity as to how our confidence is going to be built up inside of us. And at the end of the day, all of those things will fall flat, but one thing remains, and that's the goodness of God. That's the call of God. We talked about this last week. That's the gifting of God, which is not withdrawn from your life because God loves you. I'm here to tell you this morning, God loves you, and he has a story for your life. He has a purpose for your life. And he wants you to know that your story is a good story. No matter of what walk of life that you're in, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, what you're battling, God's story is a good story. The psalmist David says in, 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 in chapter 45 and verse 1, he says, my heart is overflowing with a good theme. Come on, God's got a good theme for your life. He's got a good theme for your life. He says, he says this, he says that I recite my composition to the king, and my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Come on, God's got a good theme. He's got a good theme. Your heart is to overflow with a good theme. God wants your heart to be filled with good themes and good things. He wants you to know that out of the abundance of the heart, you can speak good things. He wants you to be able to recite your composition. Come on, anybody got a composition of life? Maybe it's not necessarily a notebook, but your composition is the words in which you retain on the heart, the words in which you speak. Maybe some of you are here today and you say, but you don't understand the content of my composition is compromised. There's a lot of us that we are not reciting a good composition. In fact, the, the things that we're reciting is not a composition, but it's more of complaints. And God wants to take the complaints out of your mouth. Stop complaining and start contending for the good story that he has for you. Stop whining and start winning in the story that he has for you. Stop losing and start leading in the story that he has for you. God is a good God, and he has a purpose and a plan for your life, and the theme for your story is a good one. Tell somebody next to you, he's got a good theme for you. And so I want to take us this morning into a passage, a story in the Bible that at first blush might not necessarily look very favorable, but it's not how you start your story, it's how we finish our story. In fact, I want to give you the title of today's sermon today, and it's simply this, is that your story ain't finished. I said your story ain't finished. I don't care what you're going through, your story ain't 
finished. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your story, it, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your story, it ain't finished. Keep on pressing. But Sean, I feel like I'm driving through hell right now. Keep your foot on the gas. You'll get out of it. Your story, it ain't finished. There's no giant that's too big. There's no wall that's too tall. With my God, all things are possible because you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Your story, it ain't finished. And so we want to take a glimpse this morning in the book of Ruth, if you'll turn with me in chapter 1, I want to draw our attention to the book of Ruth in chapter 1 and to give you some back context of what's taking place is because in this, in this very first chapter, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll give you a quick summary of what's going on as, as, as we prepare to just pull a little sliver out for our focus. That's all we're going to do. We're just going to take a little, just a little piece out. Just a, just a little one-two bite out this morning at the women's conference. They had so many little one-two dessert bites on Friday night. I thought you said it was a women's conference. What are you doing there? Hey, if there's dessert and there's food. <laughs> at one point, one of the ladies came up to me and, and, and she said, you might want to excuse yourself to go in the back to do some push-ups. There's a lot of estrogen around here. <laughs> so not until I get my dessert. <laughs> Come on, I just want to, I just want to be able to, to, to pull a couple of bites out this morning. A couple of bites out this morning that, that, we can, that we can feed off of. You know, in some restaurants, the appetizers and the starters is almost better than the main dish depending on where you go. Just a couple of bites this morning that I think is going to change our life today. And so what's happening in the book of Ruth chapter 1 is we have this story that first and foremost focuses on the life of a woman by the name of Naomi. Somebody say Naomi. Naomi. And so Naomi, we find out that she is married to a man by the name of Elimelech. Say that five times fast. <laughs> they also have two sons. And in this time that we begin to discover and to draw attention to what's going on in their life, we find that there is a famine in their hometown, which is Bethlehem. Bethlehem, which means the house of bread. In a place that's supposed to be the house of bread, there is an emptiness that is taking place. There is a famine that is happening. And so Naomi and Elimelech, they begin to, to mobilize their family and relocate. They relocate, they begin to migrate to this land by the, by the name of Moab. And they're living as foreigners in this land of Moab. And while they are there, Naomi loses her husband. And the story goes on that her two sons, they get married to two women that are Moabites. One is called Orpah and the other is Ruth. And after 10 years, both sons tragically pass away. The Bible doesn't say how. The Bible doesn't give us any explanation. But the two sons pass away, leaving now the mother and the two daughter-in-laws to be all widowed. And so we find ourselves in this, in this story right now that, that is absolutely horrific. It's absolutely tragic. It's, 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 it's absolutely completely unfathomable as to, as to how and why because we don't know. The writer doesn't give detail as to what happened. But we find out that Naomi 
has gone through some serious hardships because it's not only that she lost her husband and it's not only that she lost her children, but the Bible says that she left her homeland because of famine. So she had no house and she has no family and later on we find out she doesn't even have a wealth anymore because what we begin to pick up as the story goes on is that she eventually sends out her daughter-in-law into the fields to glean and to gather the harvest, which means that they were in want and they needed. So we find this woman absolutely in a broken place. And she's so distraught and she gets to this point of frustration and she begins to break down and she tells her daughter-in-laws, it's time for you to stay in the land, I'm going back home. I hear that the famine is turning around a little bit, and, 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 and I'm going to go back home, but you need to go back to your families. You'll be better off if you leave from me. You don't understand, even if I got remarried, I wouldn't even be able to bear children because I'm too old in age at this point. And even if I was able to bear children, would you wait around long enough to remarry them? No, it would be better off if you would just go back home. What I'm trying to tell you this morning is that there are things that God has assigned for your life and the enemy will try to get into your thought process to just tell it to go away. Tell to discard it. You don't need it. And But what Naomi did not realize is that Ruth was a part of her story and her purpose. And there are things that God has assigned for your life that we are wanting to just disregard because it'd be better off if I was just by myself. It'd be better off if nobody knew the pain that I was going through. It'd be better off if nobody was exposed to the heartaches and the hardships. I can do this on my own, and that's the lie of the enemy. He wants you to think that you have to do it all on your own. Did you ever stop to think for a second that the people in the Bible did not know that they were being written about. Sometimes we assume as if God was sitting around the writer's table with David and with Daniel and, and with Moses and all these mighty people having a discussion of, hey guys, listen, here's how we're going to write some stories. Daniel, I'm going to put you in a lion's den. Can I have a stunt double? Can you put David in there for that? How's this going to work out, God? Sometimes we assume as if the characters in the Bible knew what was going to take place. And so we read about them from the point of their victory, but we never really step into the shoes of their struggle. Naomi was in a place where she was struggling, and there are many of us that are even here today. Maybe we've lost a loved one. Maybe we're in a famine season of our life. Maybe we are broken and empty emotionally and spiritually and different things that's going on with us, and we think it's better off if we're just alone. I'm here to tell you today, God does not want you to do life alone because life is better together. But it's important to have the right people to come around you, the right people that can do life with you. And what happens here in this first little portion of Scripture that we begin to discover is that it, we find out in verse 14 that as Naomi is trying to dismiss her daughter-in-laws and they have a moment where they get emotional and they cry. The Bible says that the one daughter-in-law, Orpah, kissed her, but Ruth clung to her. Orpah kissed her and Ruth clung. And they had this moment and Naomi 
looked at Ruth, and, and I can only imagine what that's, that, what that's like because I got a two-year-old that clings to her dad's leg. That moment, that pulling, that tugging, I'm not letting go, I'm holding on. And she says, why don't you just go back? with Orpah to your hometown. And the Bible says that she said to Naomi, where you go, I go. Where you live, I live. The God that you serve is the God that I serve. I will not depart from you until the day that I die. Nothing will separate me. See, what Naomi did not realize is that in the middle of her hardship is that Ruth was Naomi's purpose. See, here's the thing. Without Naomi, there would have never been a Ruth. And without a Ruth, there would have never been a Boaz. And without a Boaz, there never would have been an Obed. And if without an Obed, there wouldn't have been a Jesse nor a David, which would have led us to the kingly line of Jesus. Everybody has a story that connects with somebody else's story. And that's why you are not called to live your story alone. In fact, you're not even the main character in your story. You're the supporting cast to a bigger story. Your story is not about you on the platform. Your story is you as a platform lifting up the name of Jesus. And Naomi is trying to shake Ruth. Anybody have to try to shake someone and you just can't get them off of you? Ruth is clinging to her, but she says, why don't you just go back? Why don't you just go back like your the other girl, like Orpah? Here's the interesting thing. Can I park it here for a second? Orpah kissed. Ruth clung. Watch out for people that are trying to kiss you. Watch this now. Watch out for people that try to kiss you. And I'm not necessarily just talking about like a physical kiss. People that come up, oh, oh pastor, I'm with you. Oh, let's get all emotional. There was a lot of people that kissed this church up until 2020. Oh, we're with you. Listen, they kiss you before they dismiss you. Because those that kiss you are looking for an opportunity. Those that cling to you are with you, tried and true, thick and thin. It doesn't matter what the struggle is, they're with you. Because it's not about the moment, it's not about the condition, it's about the position of what's going to happen next. And I don't mean this to be arrogant or prideful, but what validates me is not me being hugged and kissed after the service in a lobby. That does not validate my leadership. My leadership is knowing that the Lord has given a word that can be communicated, that no matter what you're going through, we're there. We're going to pray this thing through. We're going to see this thing through. We're going to cling together. We're going to cling this thing together. We're going to be hooked up together because we believe that no matter what you're going through, that our God is still greater. I don't need the kisses. I want people that can cling. God doesn't want people that's going to kiss the church. God wants people that's going to cling to the church. Kissing is an emotion. I don't want an emotional moment. God doesn't want you to have an emotional moment. It's more than just the time that we're together here in service on Sunday. Are you clinging to him every day? God's looking for people that can cling to him. 
And so we see here that, 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 that Ruth is clinging to Naomi. And as the story begins to unfold, they, they, they prepare themselves to go back to her hometown, which is Bethlehem. And this is where I want to read this morning. Verse 19, just a couple of scriptures here as we continue to unpack this, 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 this thought. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the woman or the women said, is this Naomi? Is this Naomi? But she said to them, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has testified against me and the, Al the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came. Watch this here. Last, this is the last verse of chapter 1. Now they came. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. They came. They went out full, they came back empty. They went out full, they came back empty. They went out full, they came back empty. But they came back at the start of a new season. They came back home at the start of a new season. You might have gone out full and you feel like you're empty today. You might have gone out full and you've experienced a lot of things in life and you feel like you're broken, you feel like you're barren, you, you, you feel bitter. But get, get ready because God's got a new season that's ahead of you. He's got a new season that's ahead of you. He's got a new season that's ahead of you because watch this. It says, now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Go to the next verse if you can. The very next verse, I'll let them get that on the screen, which is Ruth chapter 2. Turn to me, Ruth chapter 2 this morning. Because the scripture says this, in Ruth chapter 2 verse 1, there was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. Two words, two words, two words. Verse, or chapter 2, verse 1 says, there was, there was, there was. Tell somebody, there was. Now tell somebody else, there is. There is, 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 there is. You might have had a, 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 an experience in your life that's left you broken, but there is healing and wholeness in Christ Jesus. You might have had a moment where you were bitter, but there is fruitfulness in the season that is to come. You might have gone through a struggle, you might have gone through a situation, but there is and I find it interesting because this passage closes out chapter 1 with a woman who says, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for I am very bitter. The word Naomi, by the way, and the reason why I wanted you to say her name, it means delightfully pleasant. Delightfully pleasant, full of beauty. Delightfully pleasant, full of beauty. But the name Mara means bitter. It means broken. It means barren, bitter, broken, barren, bitter, 
broken, barren. Doesn't matter if you're in this place today and you feel bitter, broken, or barren. God's blessing is still on your life. Because your story, it ain't finished. Because there is. There is a future ahead of you. There is more to your story. There is greater days ahead. There is great and precious promises that God has for your life. There is. But Naomi, full of beauty. And I thought to myself, in this passage, when they were coming home, the whole city erupted and said, is that not Naomi? Is that not the one who was full of beauty? Because she's coming in after 10 years back to her hometown. Which even up in age, if they're still saying there is Naomi, there is a woman that is full of beauty. She might have been older, but apparently she still exuded and, 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 and emanated the, this, this beauty that she had when she was once living there. Isn't this Naomi? And she says, no, don't call me pleasant. Don't call me delightful. Don't call me full of beauty because on the inside, I'm barren, I'm bitter, and I'm broken. And dare I say, there's many of us that on the outside, we look like Naomi, but on the inside, we're carrying this Mara spirit. And it's easy to put on a Naomi face. Our lady saw that on, on Friday night, extracting all that makeup and getting down to the real, to the raw, to the gritty. But how many of us, and it doesn't just have to be uh, specific to the women that's in this room, how many of us filter our life so that the world can only see the highlights, the best parts, the winds, but deep down inside there is a bitterness and there is a brokenness that is going on. And it wasn't until Naomi began to discover that her purpose wasn't over. You say, what was her purpose? Ruth was her purpose. Ruth became her purpose again. Because Naomi starts off by saying, I am broken, I am bitter, and I am empty. And in chapter 2, there was a Boaz that was in Ruth's future. But watch what happens here. And I'm just paraphrasing it for our sake of time this morning. Ruth goes out into the field and she gleans and she gathers and she comes home with a, with a barley harvest, with an ephah of this barley. And, 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 and Naomi says, where did that come from? And she said, it came from a man by the name of Boaz who's next to kin to, 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 your, to, your, to your husband, Elimelech. And she says, stay there. Stay there. Listen to what I'm saying. Stay there. Some of us, we get out of position. And God's saying, stay right there. Because this is where the story is going to begin to unfold for the next chapter and season for your life. Stay there. Stay there. Stay there. Your purpose is not done. Stay there. Don't get out of position. Stay there. This year, if this is our year that we're taking ownership and we're taking position or possession, do not get out of position. Stay there. Stay there. Glean. Gather. Pick up. Because God is releasing a harvest. God is releasing new things. Stay there. Do not get out of position. And as, 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 as the Bible says, as Ruth began to go out and to glean and to gather, and, 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 and the more that she stayed there, the more she became successful. Why was Ruth successful? Because of Naomi. Because of Naomi. And the Bible records that Naomi says, this is so cool. 
The Bible records that Naomi, she makes this statement in verse 20. Blessed be the Lord who has forsaken, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. Blessed be the Lord. But Naomi, I thought you started off by saying God's afflicted you. It's amazing. We always want to blame God when we're in the middle of our problem. God, where are you? God's never left you. God's never forsaken you. God's never left your seed begging for bread. You're not on your own. He is with you. He is for you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. But when we begin to choose to do life alone and we get out of position, it's very, very easy to start blaming God. But when you get back into position and purpose finds its place and you begin to see that there's more to the story, that your story, it ain't finished. We find here that now Naomi begins to see, well, hold on a second. God's blessing is still upon my life. God's blessing is still upon your life. You might have gone out full and you might be in an empty place, but get ready because God's getting ready to fill you back up. I said God's getting ready to fill you back up. God's really getting ready to, to fill your, 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 your faith tank back up. He's going to fuel you with some more faith so that you know that this story, it ain't over. If you're not dead, you're not done. Come on, if you got breath, you got purpose. There's more to the story. It's not over yet. It's not finished yet. See, here's what I love in John chapter 2, the story of, of the wedding at Cana, right? Jesus, he's there, and Mary comes over to him and says, Jesus, we ran out of wine. Man, the DJ was getting ready to crank up that Black Eyed Peas. Tonight's going to be a good night. And we ran out of wine. What are we going to do, Jesus? He said, well, what problem is this of mine? This is not my hour. And what does Mary do? Mary, Mary, says, <laughs> Mary says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Jesus, he looks at six water pots that were used for the manner of purification. And he says, take those six water pots Fill them up with water, draw some out, and give to the master of the ceremony. Now watch this. The six water pots that was a manner of purification, that's just a glorified way of saying that they were hand-washing stations. God forbid COVID came up into that wedding party. <laughs> but they didn't have plumbing, and they didn't have running water, and they didn't have things that when people were done washing their hands that removed the dirt that came off of their hands out of those pots. But the thing that's fascinating about it is that these six water pots on the exterior were very luxurious. As if anybody's ever been to a, a, a five-star resort or property or into some really nice place and they've got these massive big old clay pots. Some of them are done out of marble. Some are done out of different stones. Very luxurious and beautiful on the outside. And it's as if it was a Naomi on the outside. Very delightful and pleasant and beautiful to behold. But on the inside is where everyone's hands went to be washed and all the dirt would come off. And Jesus says, use that. Use that. Isn't that fascinating? That Jesus would take the dirtiest of vessels to usher in one of the greatest of miracles, for it was his first miracle. What are you telling me? Maybe you're empty today and you feel dirty on the inside. Maybe on the outside, you're, you're putting on this Naomi facade, but on the inside, you feel like a Mara. But I'm here to tell you today that you're not just a Naomi on the outside, but you're a Naomi on the inside. And God wants to fill you because God wants to use you and God wants you to know that there is more to the story because your story, it ain't finished.
Tell somebody, it ain't finished. It ain't finished. It ain't finished. I want to close with this this morning. Just wanted to stir your hearts up. And I recognize there's, again, there's many of us that are here today that we've experienced different hardships. But it doesn't mean that your story is over. It doesn't mean that you're done. And some of us, we want to we close the book on the chapter, but God is saying there's still more chapters to write. If you would just allow me to continue to be at work in your story. You know what I love about this is that when the Bible said that Ruth clung to Naomi, Naomi was trying to shake her. Some of us, we've been trying to shake our purpose. Some of us, we've been trying to get away from our purpose. But purpose, when it's inside of you, because God's ordained and he's connected it to you, you can't get away from it. You can't get away from your purpose. You can't. My grandfather, who founded our church, tried to get away from his purpose. He served in ministry, and many of you have heard this story, but if you haven't, he served in ministry his whole life, but he found himself physically sick, financially broke, and, and, and he had nothing to show for all of his work and years of ministry, but at age 59, the Lord said, Bishop Woody, there's more to your story. 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 You need to know that you might try to get away from this purpose, but purpose ain't getting away from you because I've got a church that I'm going to birth through you called Abundant Life. So there's more to your story. There's more to your story. There's more to your story. God still has purpose to fulfill in your life. The psalmist David says that my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. There are things that God wants you to be prepared to speak out, to write, to do. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Your tongue is the pen. But what, is that, what does that even mean? It means the words that you speak becomes the content of your composition. And God wants you to speak good words because he has a good theme for your life. And he wants you to know that the content of your composition is not done until the day of Christ Jesus because, I love that. He who began a good work will carry it out. He didn't say, he who began a good work, now you have to carry it out. He said, he'll carry it out. God will carry it out. God will carry it out. All you need to do is have faith and trust that the story ain't over. All you need to do is make sure that your tongue is ready to speak good things. It's time for you to start declaring a good narrative. It's time for you to start, 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 start speaking words of life. He said that he'll carry it out. He didn't say, I'm going to use an Uber X for your success. Let me call in Postmates for your purpose. God said... I don't need a delivery boy for your blessing because I'm the one that is the blesser. And I will come into your narrative. I will come into your story and I will make sure that you know that I'm a good God and that I love you and that I've got great things prepared for your life. Maybe you might be broken in this place today. Maybe you might be in a barren place today. Maybe you might feel bitter. But I'm here to tell you when you allow the Lord to begin to fill your life just like the water into those vessels. Oh Lord, fill us up. Fill us with fresh water today. Make a clean heart in us, oh God. Renew us, revive us, restore us today, God, that we can see and know and be all that you have called us to be because our story, it ain't finished. It ain't finished. It ain't finished. 
it ain't finished. I'm here to tell you today, your story, it ain't finished. There's more to your story this morning. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Your story matters. That was the theme throughout the ladies' conference. And I love it. My wife, she concluded her session yesterday saying, it's time for you to take the pen back into your hand. I thought that was so profound and powerful, as simple as that statement was. When I mean, you put your pen down, close it away in the junk drawer. Here in my house, my junk drawer is filled with Play-Doh and stickers and Sharpies. Just lost. Some of you allowed your pen to be lost, to be discarded. God hasn't discarded you. God hasn't given up on you. God didn't give up on my grandfather. When we went through so many heartaches and twists and turns and division throughout ministry over the years, the Lord never gave up on Bishop and Pastor Kathy. God didn't, when my wife and I, when we went through a miscarriage in 2018, he didn't give up on us. It's part of our story. It would have been easy. Recite my composition back in 2018. In 2018, you know what my composition was? It was filled with curses and cussing. I'm being real with you today. You go through a loss, that'll shake your faith like no other. But in the middle of all of the cussing, I knew my God was still good. And I knew my God was still for me. And I knew that my God still had a purpose. And he was telling my wife and I, pick up your pen. Because your story's not over. It's just begun. Your story's not over. It's just begun. And God wants the content of your composition to be filled with a good theme because he's a good God. Pick your pen up. Your story matters today. Your story matters today. Your story ain't finished today. Hey, thanks for watching the Abundant Life YouTube channel. We hope that today's message has blessed your life. And don't forget, if you enjoyed today's sermon, you can always subscribe as well as share this message with your family and friends. Also, to support the ministry, be sure to hit the giving link located in the description below. Through your giving, we're able to continue to spread the gospel and reach our world with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Also, you can join us Sundays for all of our stream services on Facebook Live and AbundantLife.tv. And remember this, that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you today. Take care.